Okay, so tonight, Be'ezrus Hashem, we're going to be continuing with our series of Shirim on the teachings of Rav Yitzchak Meyer Morgenstern on Rav Meyer Shlita. And the title of tonight's Shir is going to be The Entire Torah is One Concept or One Thing. In Hebrew, the language that Rav Meyer uses, which he draws explicitly from the Ragach which is based on a Tosefta and numerous Makoras that we're going to see, is that Kol HaTorah Kulahu Inyan Achas that the entirety of the Torah is one thing, that the entirety of the Torah, so to speak, is coming to say one specific thing to each and every individual in their own particular lives, according to their own space, time, and experience that they see the world through. In order to properly understand all of the topics that we're going to be discussing from here on out, we need to enter a little bit more into the derech, into the space, into the path that Ravitchermeyer Morgenstern is treading upon, is walking down. And as we saw from Rav Bromfin's letter last week, in a certain inspirational way, Rav Bromfin was able to see that one of the aspects that would define the young Ravitchermeyer Morgenstern's life already at the age of 12 was that he would one day embark upon creating a new path in Torah, that he would one day open up a new derech, a new way of looking at the Torah. Now, obviously, like we said in the first year, and this is going to be said over each and every year, everything that we say tonight is going to be my personal interpretation and my personal understanding of the derech of Rav Morgenstern Shlita. And by no means does this mean to come off as exactly what Ravitchemeyer means or what the Svarim of Ravitchemeyer through his Chabura, from his Chavraya Kadisha, from his inner circle mean to say, but rather it is the teachings of Ravitchemeyer Morgenstern as expressed in the writings through his main disciples, through his Chabura, his Chavraya Kadisha, his holy gathering of Tamide Chachamim, through the lens of one particular reader, through the lens of the heart of one particular individual who's learning these teachings. So any mistakes or any misunderstanding that emerge out of the writings of Ravitchemeyer are not to heaven forbid be placed at the table of Ravitchemeyer or his Talmudim, but rather they should be placed at my own limited understanding of the text that we're going to be discussing. One of the defining factors that many people who have studied the works of Ravitchemeyer point out is his ability, which is not always seen by individuals who learn it from the external perspective as a positive thing, but it's his ability to take all different opinions, all different zramim, all different schools of thought throughout the history of the development of Torah Shabal Peh, both in Nigla, the revealed aspect of Torah, as well as Nister, the concealed aspect of Torah, and show how all of these opinions, how all of these shitot, each and every school, according to their own understanding, as it has been conveyed through that particular tzaddik, down through their students, as well as the books that have been written, that each and every school, in spite of the fact that they each have differing opinions on various matters, in spite of the fact that each one saw the Torah in a particular way through their own particular eyes and heart, nevertheless, when looked at from a particular perspective, all of the different streams of Torah, 
all of the different shitos that appear to be different and set apart from one another and almost in a machlokas or an argument with one another are in truth, when looked at from the proper perspective, all coming to say the same thing. Now, when a person looks at the thousands of pages that comprise a limited aspect of what Rav has taught so far, a person sees this explicitly, that in any mimer, whether it's discussing the particular aspects of a very complex sugya in Kabbalah, or whether it's coming to explain the aspects of Kabbalah in a more psychological or personal way, what a person finds is that there is not a single base medrash, not a single mechaber, not a single tzaddik, that Rav doesn't only feel entirely comfortable within that world of thought, but Rav shows how each of these mechabrim, in spite of the fact that historically there may have been some sense of an animosity, so to speak, between these two camps, or three camps or four camps, nevertheless, Rav takes these varying voices, these voices that appear to be dissonant with one another, creating discord and animosity and machlokas, and Rav shows how not only are they not arguing with one another, but rather each and every voice creates a picture that is greater than the sum total of its parts. Meaning to say that if you want to properly understand the sugya in any topic that Rav has chosen to discuss or learn about or teach about, you need to come upon each and every particular stream of thought, each and every specific base medrash or tzaddik and their approach to Torah. And it's only in the collection of all of these different opinions and their interaction with one another and their conversing with one another that Rav paints the beautiful picture, the beautiful tapestry that emerges when you take these particular voices and you show that they're working together to disclose the singular particular truth that the Torah is coming to tell us. And there's no limit to what Rav is capable of doing in terms of utilizing the Torah that we have written, whether it's a famous sefer or whether it's an obscure footnote that is published posthumously in a secondary or a secondary of secondary svarim. Rav has a full control of the svarim that he has learned at his fingertips, and he's capable of weaving together these disparate thoughts or these disparate streams and zramim of machshava or Torah, and showing how one fills in for the other, and both of them together create a picture that would not have been possible had it only been a singular voice. So for example, Rav will use a famous example where it becomes more problematic for many people who are not used to learning Torah in this perspective. When we look at the question of tzimtzum, not something that we're going to get too deeply involved in, but when we look at the question of Simtsum, famously or historically, there's an apparent machlokas, an apparent distinction between varying schools. So the Vilna Gon, or the Lithuanian school of Kabbalah, as expressed in the Talmidim of the Vilna Gon, which would be Rav Menachem Mendel Mishklov, Rav Yitzhak Isaac Chaver, the Talmud Muvhak of Rav Yitzhak Isaac Chaver, who was 
Rav Yitzchak Kellner in the Toldos Yitzchak, Rav Yitzchak Kahana rather, in the Toldos Yitzchak, as well as the Dor Acharon, who we already were Zoha to give Shiraman, the Leshem Shubav Achaloma. So it has been famously stated that that school of thought, or mistakenly claimed, that that school of thought sees the concept of Tzimtzum, sees the question of God's constriction in order to create the world as something literal. Now, as we expressed in the Shiram on the Leshem, literal over here doesn't really mean literal, but suffice it to say that it was assumed that the Misnagdic camp of Lithuanian Kabbalah held that when God contracted himself, so to speak, in order to create the world, there was some sort of actual removal of godly presence from the space of existence, so to speak, and that is what gave birth to existence. The Baal Shem Tov, on the other hand, the school of Hasidus, on the other hand, comes along and says, no, that Simpson was not literal. And the Baal Shem Tov, as iterated through the writings of the Baal Hatanya and all of his students and children, in particular, as well as Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, to name a few of the voices Rabbi Shemayr speaks through, would claim that the Simpson was, heaven forbid, to claim that it was a literal experience, and that God did not truly constrict himself or remove himself from the playing field of existence, but rather God occluded himself or concealed himself. Now, this machlokas, this apparent disparity of opinions with regards to some of the most fundamental aspects of what reality is, has gone down through the annals of history to be this real ideological battle between Hasidim and Misnagdim, to the point that it was conveyed that this was part and parcel of the Vilna Gon's excommunication or cherem against the Baal Shem Tov and his students. Now, Ravitchemeyer is not the first person to show this, but Ravitchemeyer, through the understanding of his teacher of Moshe Shatz, shows throughout all of his svarim that in truth, there's really no machlokas. There's no machlokas with regards to the question of tzimtzum, because in truth, both shitos, both the Vilnagon, as well as the Baal Shem Tov, are coming to say the same thing. Now, when people hear this, when people look at the fact that Ravitchemeyer Morgenstern is coming to show that what you thought was a machlokas, what you always thought was a disagreement on the most basic terms of what belief in God should be in this world, is not really a machlokas. Both people are truly in agreement. It's reasonable that many individuals, when hearing this, are going to push back. They're going to claim, what about the historical machlokas? What about the fact that we have various writings that point to the fact that there might be an actual difference in opinion here? Now, this is where the Mahalach of Torah that Rav Itchemeyer Morgenstern has brought into the world becomes different from what other people before him have tried to do. Many people who have tried to say, based on the example that we're using, that there's no machlokas in the question of Tzimtzum, that really the Vilna Don and the Baal Shem Tov are truly in agreement, are not analyzing the texts at hand. They're not looking at the makoros. They're not looking at the sources and the sources that come about through the future iterations of that base medrash in order to properly understand what's going on. But rather, they have a deep-seated belief in the back of their minds that really there can't be an argument about the tzimtzum because obviously the halacha is like the Baal Shem Tov, or obviously the halacha is like the Vilna Gon. Either way, a person wants to look. And because they have it so clear in their minds that there can't be a machlokas, 
at the end of the day, they say, even though the texts appear to be an argument, really they're in agreement because it's impossible for there to be an argument in this place. So these individuals show that there's a unity of opinion, but they ignore the fact that there's a textual difference. They ignore the fact that there's a difference of opinion in the texts themselves, in the svarim themselves. Enter Ravitchemeyer Morgenstern, and what Ravitchemeyer Morgenstern does is very different than the first approach we just described. Ravitchemeyer, first and foremost, acknowledges the fact that yes, each mechaber, each sefer, is coming to say their own particular truth, is coming to describe their own particular opinion about the question of tzimtzum, for example. But after Ravitchemeyer spends the time necessary analyzing those texts, understanding the differences of opinion that emerge out of those texts, Ravitchemeyer then comes along and says, yes, it's true that these texts are in argument with one another. Yes, one sefer from the Tamidim of the Vilnagon says X, and one sefer from the Tamidim of the Balshemtov says Y. But in spite of the fact that externally they appear to be in argument, the truth that emerges from the relationship between the Talmidim of the Bashemtov and the Talmidim of the Vilnagon in their differences of opinion create a third option, a third opportunity that is greater than the sum of its parts that allows us to truly understand the sugya at hand. So what Avichamayar is doing is very different than what other Meforshim or Mahabim are doing. Other Meforshim and other Mahabim are saying that Yes, maybe the texts are in disagreement, but nevertheless, it has to be that they're in, in agreement because there can't be an argument here. What Ravitchemeyer is saying is that, yes, the texts disagree with one another. Yes, Torah can be understood in an infinite amount of ways. But nevertheless, it is specifically in the engagement of what appears to be in argument with one another that we allow ourselves to find the truth that comes out of the friction between the arguing parts that gives birth to a new understanding. What Ravitchemeyer is willing to do and what other tzaddikim have not been willing to do is that Ravitchemeyer is willing to descend into the depths of the particulars of each and every shita. Ravitchemeyer is willing to look at every opinion there is on any given topic, whether we're discussing the specificities of a halachic concept of what a person is allowed to make bori prihagafen on on leil kiddush on Shabbos, or we're discussing the most esoteric of esoteric secrets with regards to the initial will that God had before the creation of the world. There's no difference whether it's gufe halacha or whether it's sisre Torah. For Ravitchemeyer, there's a necessity and a fundamental necessity to analyze and to penetrate and to learn in depth each and every given opinion. And when a person is engaged in learning each and every opinion, what they encounter is the fact that there is a splintering of opinions, that no two voices are the same in their interpretation of Torah. And once Ravitchemeyer and his base Medrash descend into the particularities of the sugya, what first emerges is a disparity of voices that there's a multifarious force that emerges from disagreement and one person claims something against the other and the other claims something against the other and it creates this chaos of voices. And it's only through that chaos of voices that Ravitchemeyer finds that there is a voice of unity 
a silent voice of unity, a kol demamadaka, a silent voice that is not apparent at the beginning of one's learning, that if you penetrate deeply enough into the particularity of each and every opinion, you will find that it is only through the sum total of the disagreements that appear on the texts of the svarim that we learn that a person is capable of emerging out of that foggy forest of difference of opinion with a nakuda, with a point, with an understanding at the end of the day that takes all of the disagreement, that gives room for all of the disagreement, yet nevertheless makes shalom between them, makes peace between them so that each and every opinion enlargens and emboldens what the other opinion has to say to the point that it gives birth to a new image of what we're really dealing with. And this is apparent in any mimer, in any approach to a sugya, to a concept that Ravitchemeyer Morgenstern is dealing with. Because before properly understanding the unique path of Ravitchemeyer, a person has to understand that we're dealing with a genius here. We're dealing with an individual who has the entirety of the Torah at his fingertips who understands all of the differences of opinion and all of the different iterations of opinions to the point that if a person was trying to identify the inspirational sources, the tzaddikim who Ravitchemeyer Morgenstern sees as the crowning jewels of his system, which mechabrim, which svarim have influenced Ravitchemeyer the most, at least according to my humble opinion, what a person comes out with is a scattering of nearly every realm of thought that in the realm of the Baal Shem Tov, is clearly influenced most directly by Rabbi Nachman and his student Rabbi Nassan and Lukute Alachos. But a person who ignores the influence that Chabad Hasidus has had on Ravitchemeyer is never going to properly understand what Ravitchemeyer is trying to do. And when you try and understand what is it in Chabad Hasidus that Ravitchemeyer finds most powerful, a person would not be wrong if they said that it was the Baal Hatanya. A person would not be wrong to claim that Ravitchemeyer has not only written extensively and given sheer Mantanya, but that Ravitchemeyer has a remarkable control of all of the writings of the Baal Hatanya in Lukute Torah and in Torah Or and all of the Ma'amarim. But a person also sees the Admor HaEmtsai, the Mitla Rebbe, the son of the Balatanya, as an equally powerful voice in the writings of Ravitchemeyer. The Tzemach Tzedek very specifically serves a remarkable role in the writings of Ravitchemeyer because the Tzemach Tzedek, more so than other Tzadikim and Chabad, was willing to descend into the apparent differences of opinion amongst Mikubalim themselves so that the Tzemach Tzedek provides Ravitchemeyer with a prototype of trying to understand the words of the Arizal. Like we said last week's year, the Maharash, the Rebbe Rishmuel, does not appear too often in the writings of Ravitchemeyer, but the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, of Shalom Dovber Schneerson, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, who is the Rambam of Hasidus, is, if not the crowning jewel of Ravitchemeyer, one of the most important systems in the thought of Ravitchemeyer. And the Friedrich Rebbe and the last Lubavitcher Rebbe, Schusser all of them play a significant role. But then a person would also be remiss to claim that it was only the direct descendants of Chabad that serve an important role in the writings of Rav Itchemeyer. Because when you look at Rav Itchemeyer's relationship with Rav Aharon Halevi of Sterilis, the Machaber of Shari Avoida and Shari Yichud Ve'emuna, and Avoidas Halevi, 
upon which Rav Itchemeyer has given an 100-page discourse, Lahagid Shivcho Shel Aharon, that his Taman Mufak Rav Shmuel Ehrenfeld published at the end of his Sefer on the Rashash Yeruchim HaShemesh, it is apparent to anybody who learns Rav Itchemeyer that Rav Aaron Halevi is a fundamental voice, the Evan Hashasia in the writings of Rav Itchemeyer. But Rav Aaron Halevi famously had a deep and very difficult machlokas with the Admor HaEmtsai. And the different students of the Balatanya, Rav Hila Paracher and Rav Yitzhak Isaac of Hamil, all of these voices provide a fundamental Evan Hashasiya, a cornerstone that holds together the system of Rav Itchemeyer. But then if a person only focuses on the teachings of Hasidus and ignores the teachings of the Arizal and Rav Chaim Vital and all of the Mephorshim, a person would also be missing the Iker. And then when you come upon the Rashash of Shalom Sharabi and the school of the Svartik Mikubalim and his Talmud Mufak, Rav Chaim Dila Rosa, the Torah Chacham, who we discussed last week, as well as the Shemen Sasson and the Bal Hasadah and the Mi'ile Eliyahu, and the Karim Shlomo, Rav Itchemeyer has a proficiency and a bakiyas in the writings of the most obscure Mekubalim from the Svartic camp. And he has a complete control of them to the point that without them, a person can not understand the word that Rav Itchemeyer is trying to say. And then you come to the Vilna Gon, and you might think that Rav Itchemeyer was a chassid and that he was a Breslover chassid because he connects most deeply to Rabbi Nachman as explicitly stated in numerous places. But then you come to find that Rav Itchemeyer also, in order to provide proof to any opinion that he's trying to claim and any point of his shita that he's trying to push, more often than not, it's the Vilna Gon, the Gra, who comes along and provides the most proficient and essential proof to what Rav Itchemeyer is coming to say. And it's not only in the writings of the Gra in Niglo Satorah, but it's also the writings of the Gra on Safar Ditzniusa and his parish on the Heichalos and his parish on Sefer, Ditz, on Sefer Yitzira and the Tukune Zohar that Rav Itchemeyer is completely proficient in. To bring another source from a video, there's a video on the second day of, uh, of Simchas Torah where somebody came over to Rav Itchemeyer, and this video can be found on YouTube. And there's a schreik going on. There's a laughter that we spoke about in the initial shear, that the Tishak Liyamacharon. And then finally, Rav Itchemeyer in this video decides to be serious and to share a Torah. Not that he wasn't being serious in his laughter, but to be serious in the level of Torah. And he says to a chassid of his around him, some of the chavra who hang out in the base medrash in Torah's Chassam, in Torah's Chacham, bring me to Kune Zohar. And beer, uh, to Kune Zohar. He says, bring it to Kune Zohar. And immediately they bring the Kune Zohar with the Perish and it's clear, Rav Itchemeyer flips through this worn-out sefer to the exact makor that he's looking for. Now, anybody who's learned the parish of the Tukune Zohar and the Gra understands how terse and difficult of a sefer it is, not only in its physical presence of being a text that is worn out and needs redoing, a new publication, but rather the information itself is so incredibly difficult. Rav Itchemeyer was capable of directly turning the page to the exact right place and pointing his finger without fail to exactly the point that he wanted to say. That's not to mention his proficiency in the writings of Rav Machamel Mishklav and Rav Chaver and the Leshem Shubov The Leshem for Rav Itchemeyer provides a fundamental source, the Balasulam, to the point that there's not a single area in Torah that Rav Itchemeyer is not proficient in. And it's difficult to understand because most of these shitos, when a person learns them inside, they appear to be saying different things from one another. 
but it's specifically the Derech of Ravichemeyer, which comes to unify all of these sources specifically in their difference and to show that in spite of the apparent difference between the power of opinions, there emerges a singular and unified light that is the Or of Torah. That Ravichemeyer writes in numerous places, in particular in a Hakdama, or a Haskama that he gave to the writings of his Talmud Mufak, Rav Shmuel Ehrenfeld, that there's a concept of Das Shel Shalom, that on a certain level, what Rav Itchemeyer is coming to do is to make shalom, is to make peace between that which appears to be separate and distinct in Klal Yisrael and in the Torah of Yisrael. That historically it has been apparent that there are different mechabrim and different opinions, and each one is saying their own thing, and each one is arguing with one another. But what Rav Itchemeyer has come to do is not only claim that there's unity in some fluffy type of way without descending into the difference of opinions, but Rav Itchemeyer has forced each and every sefer, each and every mechaber, to admit to the fact that they agree with one another. Something unprecedented in history that Rav Itchemeyer has shown from within the texts themselves, from within the svarim themselves, that each and every mechaber is in agreement with one another. Now, yes, on an ideological level, on a sociological level, on a historical level, a person might claim, no, they're in disagreement because how could they not be? We've been taught that everybody is in disagreement with one another. But anybody who wants to enter into argument with Ravichemeyer is going to be forced to learn the sources inside. And when a person learns the sources inside, it's nearly impossible to disagree with the way that Ravichemeyer reads and how carefully he reads Svarim to the fact that each and every one of these voices, each and every one of the different shitos that emerge in disparity and different voices, at the end of the day are creating a picture that is greater than the sum total of its parts. That it's only through the interaction of the differences of opinion that we can finally come out of a sugya with a full understanding. Now, what I'm going to try and do now is explain what this is based on. Because not only is this Rav Itchemeyer Morgenster's way of learning Torah, in the sense that it is how he is able to create his program and system in Torah, his derech in Torah, but rather the derech of Torah is informed by everything Rav Itchemeyer is coming to say. Meaning to say that the process of how Rav Itchemeyer learns Torah is what allows us to receive the end result of Rav Torah. But the process through which Rav learns Torah is also an exact replica of the final totzah of exactly what Rav is coming to say. So that when we can properly understand how Rav learns Torah, we can also understand exactly what Rav is coming to share with us through the Torah. So that in the end of the day, you can either look at Rav as an individual, as somebody who learns Torah in a certain way, or you can look at Rav as someone who is saying something specific in Torah, and both of those are going to be saying the same thing at the end of the day. That Rav as an individual, as a tzaddik, as a person, and his engagement with the world and the way he interacts with Svarim, as well as the philosophical or hashkafic ideas in Amuna that Rav is coming to teach in terms of Talmud Torah, are both coming to say the same thing. That the derech towards the Torah, that the way towards the Torah that Rav is teaching, as well as the arrival at the Torah, which is what Rav is coming to teach, or the how he teaches Torah and the what he is teaching, 
are in truth showing the same exact thing to the point that a person can learn how Rav Itchemeyer learns or a person can learn what Rav Itchemeyer is teaching and both are saying the same thing at the end of the day. That in other words, the way that Rav Itchemeyer is willing to descend into the disagreements of each and every Mechaber for the sake of taking all of that which appears to be in disagreement to show that it creates a whole that is greater than the sum of its parts is exactly the message that Rav Itchemeyer is trying to bring out through all of his Torah, as we're going to see in future weeks. Now the Mimer, the discourse that we're going to be basing all of this idea on, is the Mimer of Gimel Midos Me Talmud Torah, of three approaches to Talmud Torah, which is printed in Yam HaChachma Tafshin Ayin Aleph, the yearbook of Yam HaChachma that was published in year 2010 through the work of his Talmudim. And there's a famous mimer in here called Derech Eitz Chaim, which is sim- similar to the last Lubavitcher Rebbe's famous kuntris on kuntris in Yane Chasidus, where the Lubavitcher Rebbe came to try and describe not what Chasidus is trying to say, but what Chasidus is. Not the role of what Chasidus is coming to bring into the world, but what the Chidush of Chasidus is. Something that Rav reaches back directly towards the Piyazetz and the Rebbe Hashem Yim Komdomo, whose yard site was very recent, and his Sefer Mavos Sha'arim, that Hasidus was coming to reveal a new way of understanding Torah. That prior to the revelation of Hasidus, prior to the revelation of the Derech of the Baal Shem Tov, what we have known through the writings of Chazal and through the writings of the Rishonim and all of the Mekubalim, up to and including the Arizal and his Tamidim, is that there are typically four ways of understanding Torah. There's going to be the pshat, the simple understanding, the remez, which is going to be the the allegorical understanding, the gematrios, the hints. There's going to be the drash, which is the homiletical understanding. And there's going to be the sod, which is the secret understanding. And it's always been a fourfold breakup of pshat, remez, drash, sod, which spells out the word pardes, which means an orchard. Famously described in the beginning of Meseches Chagiga, when the different tanayim, elevated themselves to the Pardes to try and understand the secrets of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and only Rabbi Akiva was able to enter in peace and leave in peace. But Rav Itchemeyer Morgenstern points out in multiple places, in the name of the Emek HaMelech, Rav Naftali Bacharach, the Machaber of the Sefer, Emek HaMelech, the Valley of the King, one of the most important students of the Arizal, that yes, the typical breakup is four ways of learning Torah. There's Pshat, Remez, Drash, and Sod. The simple meaning, the hinted meaning, the homiletical meaning, and the secret meaning. But there's also a fifth level. That fifth level is neshama. That fifth level is when a person understands the Torah on the level of their own neshama, where they can see that in spite of all of the differences of opinion, in spite of all of the differences in the ways of approaching Torah, nevertheless, there's going to be a unifying force that takes all difference of opinion all different shapes and colors of what it means to be learning Torah. And it shows that all of them are unified in the effort to reveal the neshama a little bit more. And the Emek HaMelech says, and Rav quotes this at least 10 or 20 times, that Pshat, Remez, Drash, Sod spells out Pardes. When you add the Nun of neshama, it spells out Pardasan, meaning that there's a particular Pardes, HaPardasan Shel Tzadikim, the orchards of the Tzadik. 
that each and every tzaddik, each and every individual, ki amcha kulam tzaddikim, because the entire nation of the Jewish people are tzaddikim, has the ability to look at the entirety of Torah and recognize that everything is coming to say one thing and one thing only, and that is how can I come closer to Hashem. That the nekuda hapnimis of the Torah that kol ha-Torah kulahu inyan achas, that the entirety of the Torah is one thing, and what that thing is, is what my neshama is. That the Torah is coming to reveal to me what my neshama is. As Rav Yerucham Levavitz of Mir said, the famous Mashkiach of Mir says, there is no greater interpretation to the Torah than the individual themselves. Ein peirush yoter gavoa ala Torah, yoter meha'adam atzmo. There is no greater understanding of the Torah, greater than the individual soul themselves. And when a tzaddik is able to touch that nekuda hapnimis, that inner point of their soul, all differences of opinion, all differences of approach, the pshat, the remez, the drash, and the sod, comes to show us that in truth, everything is coming to say one simple thing. For Rav Itchemeyer Morgenstern, in my humble opinion, my own understanding, the Nekuda Hapinimis of his Torah is Emuna. To come to show each and every one of us that no matter how deep we go, there's always more Emuna to be revealed. There's always more belief and faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we didn't have the previous moment. That every new experience in our lives, every new experience in a person's understanding of Torah, in a person's tefillah, in a person's hesbodidus, in a person's hesbonenus, in the contemplation of godliness and expressed in the writings of Chabad, or the interactive personal prayer of hesbodidus as expressed in the writings of Breslov, all of that, all of it together, is coming to reveal to the Jewish individual the power of emunah pshuta, the power of simple faith, of believing just a little bit more in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Like the Gemara tells us, that Chabakuk came and contained the entirety of Torah on one singular point, that the righteous will live by their faith that the entirety of Torah, which is Hashem's revelation in this world, is coming to teach one particular nakuda, which is emuna. That is the way Rav looks at the Torah. It's coming to show the power of emuna. That in spite of the fact that emuna appears to be so low and so simple, and so beneath the intellect of Tamidi Chachamim, or so beneath the intellectual processes that the enlightened individuals of the world engage in, Nevertheless, that which appears to be despised, that lowest point of malchus, that lowest point of emuna, of faith, belelos, in darkness, faith is only applicable when there's concealment, faith is only applicable when there's hiddenness, faith is only applicable when we don't know what happens next. It is specifically this faith, this emuna that comes specifically when we're in doubt. Specifically, when we don't know, it is this emuna which is the deepest level, which is mushrash, which is sourced in the highest place that Ravitchemeyer speaks about more than any tzaddik that preceded him, Reisha Dolo Isyada, the unknowable head, the highest point in the order of Hakadosh Baruch Hu's creation. Emuna is rooted in the highest place. It looks like it's the lowest, but it's the highest. And this, I believe, humbly, is the Nekuda HaPnimis that Rav is coming to teach us through his Torah. But the way that Rav gets there is also fundamental to the process. 
Ravit Shemayar describes as follows in this Maimer Gimel Midos B'Talmud Torah, which is a Hakdama to the Maimer Derech Eitz Chaim. The Hakdama to his Maimer is to his discourse on the essence of what Hasidus is. And Ravit Shemayar basically says as follows. There are three ways of looking at the Torah. But in truth, and this is something that we're going to be repeating over and over in these series of classes, because like I said, all that Ravichamayr is coming to say is one very specific thing, that kola Torah hu inyan echad, that the entirety of the Torah is simply one thing, and that's how to have more amuna in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how to have more amuna in Hashem, how to relearn what we forgot since we were children, how to relearn that simple faith that our young children have, that the young children of the Jewish people have, that Hashem is here, Hashem is there, and Hashem is truly everywhere, without a doubt, without complication, all of the complications of Torah are coming to teach us this specific idea. So Rav Shemayer says that there are three ways of learning Torah. But really, when we say three, the third way of learning Torah is simply going to be the combination of the first two ways. So that not really are there three, but there are really only two. But when a person recognizes that those first two are part and parcel of the same thing, they come to realize a deeper level of understanding. The first way of looking at Torah is what Ravit Shemayr is going to be referring to as the process of Bina, something that we discussed in the Shirim on the Esarsiros. The process of Bina, that left brain of understanding, sees difference in the world. It sees a difference of opinion. It sees different shitos in each and every machaber, in each and every tzaddik that a person looks at, to the point that machlokas emerges, to the point that it appears that one person says one thing, the other person says another thing, and there's no peace between them. The next level is going to be the level of chachma, of, of wisdom, the right brain of chachma, which sees everything as a whole. The right brain of Chachma has a very difficult time seeing any difference of opinion anywhere. These are the people who claim that everything is coming to say the same thing, even though we're unwilling to look at the differences of opinion in the texts. So the first level is the left brain that sees distinction and separation and difference and differences of opinion. The second approach is the level of Chachma, which sees everything as being singular and unified, as saying only one thing. But because they only see one thing, they're unwilling to look at all of the particular details that Bina was willing to look at. So Bina is willing to look at all of the differences of opinion, all of the different machloksim, and the fact that the Gra says one thing, and the Bashem Tov says one thing, and the Rashash says one thing, and the Ramchal says one thing, and the Balasulam says one thing, and the Balelita say another thing, and the Balimusar say one thing. The world of Chachma says, no, there's only one thing and one thing only. But because they're only willing to look at one thing, they're unable to understand or appreciate all the differences of opinions and the different nuances of each camp. And then Ravichemeyer comes along and says that there's a third way. There's a third way that is willing to look at these two differences of opinions, the approach of Bina and the approach of Chachma, the approach of Machlokas and the approach of seeing only one singular opinion, and Ravichemeyer says that it's possible to hold both at once. It's possible, says Ravichemeyer, and this is 
quite frankly, all we're going to be talking about over the next nine weeks. That Rav says that what appears to be in disagreement with one another, that on the one hand, the mind of Bina says there's a difference of opinion, there's a thousand different opinions. On the other hand, the mind of Chachma says there's only one idea with no differences of opinion. Rav wants to show us that there's a level that contains both. That level is the level of Keser. That level is the level of the crown, the level of Ratzon. The level that says that, yes, there appears to be distinction between looking at the world through Bina and between looking at the world through Chachma, between looking at the world through difference and machlokas and disunity and argumentation and effort and struggle, and looking at the world through Chachma, which is looking at the world through the whole, or the sense that everything is the same, or that everything is comfortable, and everything is only saying one singular thing. Rav says that there's a way to hold both of those and utilize the benefits of both. And that, for Rav is the approach to Talmud Torah of Keser. Because Rav says that if you only look at the particularities of opinions and the differences of opinions and all of the different voices, then a person is going to come out of learning Torah and feel like it's a war, like nobody is in agreement to one another, like everybody is saying one thing and one thing only, and they're fighting for the kavod of who's right and who's wrong, and either I'm right or you're right, and one of us has to be wrong, and therefore we're going to fight to the death to prove who's right. Or there are people who look and say, no, there's only one thing and one thing only, and there's no disagreement whatsoever, and everything is good and neat and perfect. Rav says that if you only approach the world and Torah from one of those perspectives, you're losing out. If you only look at the world of Bina that sees the differences of opinion, then you're only connected to separation. Yes, you might be a Tamil Chacham in the sense that you know a lot, but there's not going to be any unity amongst what you see in the Torah. And if you only look at the world of Chachma, if you only look at the world through that right brain that sees everything as a whole, so then yes, you'll have a unified whole, but you'll have lost out on any emphasis or nuance that comes out of particularity or the fact that different people say different things. So what Avichemeyer shows us is that the proper way of learning Torah is to eventually come to a place that sees all of the differences of opinion in their difference, to recognize that the Gros says very differently than the Mashem Tov, and the Ramchal says very differently than the Rashash, and the Torah Chacham says differently than Rav Moshe David Vali, and Rav Yisro Salanter had a very different approach to things than Rav Chaim Brisker. But in truth, when you understand each and every one of these different opinions, when they allow themselves to dance together, to create a picture that emerges out of the discord, out of the dissonance of opinions, there's something powerful that emerges out of that friction. There's something powerful that comes out of allowing each of the voices of tzaddikim, each of the voices of tamidei chachamim, to give birth to a new voice that has not been revealed earlier. A new voice that says, yes, there's difference. Yes, there's thousands of differences of opinion. There's all different ways of looking at the world and looking at the Torah. But when you allow yourself to penetrate deeply into the depths of each and every opinion, to recognize that each and every person is coming to be Megala, to reveal their own particular source in Torah, then each and every particular source in Torah 
joins together to create a picture that is greater than the sum of its parts. And that's what gives birth to the concept of the Kesser of Torah, to approaching the Torah through the level of Kesser, which says, yes, there's a difference of opinion. And yes, I need to understand each and every opinion, but only for the sake of recognizing that each and every opinion comes to create a voice of Torah that is greater than the sum of its parts. And it's specifically this teaching that Rav Meir is showing throughout all of his svarim, that when we look at the world from a perspective of bina, when we look at the world from the perspective of a difference of opinion, what a person feels is disunity and pain and difficulty and machlokas and concealment and hiddenness and hester and suffering. But when a person looks at the world from a perspective of chachma, what they see is peace and quiet and wholeness and unity and everybody saying the same thing. But when you have that level of chachma, without the level of bina, it gets boring. When all you have is unity, it doesn't feel unity anymore. When all you have is pleasure, pleasure grows very old, as we're going to discuss in a series of shirin. When all you have is the same, there's no difference for you to enjoy the same. So Ravitchemeyer says we need to come upon a higher level of Torah, the level of Kesser, which says that all of those differences of opinion will continue to allow me to experience newness and argument and machlokas and concealment, but that concealment and that argumentation will take place within the realm of unity. That Judaism, through Ravitchemeyer's Torah, teaches us how to look at disunity at argumentation, at machlokas, and recognize that not only does it not come to disprove unity, but it comes to enlarge in unity. That it's only when I allow myself to look at the darkness of the world that I can properly appreciate the light that comes out of that darkness. It's only when I allow myself to look at the differences of opinion that I allow myself to understand that the whole, that unity, that peace that comes about through disagreement is so much greater than a peace that comes about by everybody being in agreement. Ravitchemeyer is not coming to say that everybody is saying the same thing. Ravitchemeyer is very focused on the differences of opinion that each and every individual from Klal Yisrael and the Tzadikim or the Meforshe HaTorah are coming to show us. But he's saying that the unity or the composite that emerges out of all of these differences of opinion provides a level of unity and a level of joy that would not be possible without acknowledging disagreement first. Because if we're not willing to look at the darkness, if we're not willing to look at difference and machlokas, we're unable to properly understand joy. We're unable to properly understand the shalom that comes out of the das of shalom, out of the fact that differences can unite and maintain their difference, that mechaber and tzaddikim can be in disagreement and can be arguing with one another, yet nevertheless, they create a picture that is greater than the sum total of its parts. And to return to the beginning, when Rav says that kol ha-Torah kulahu inyan achas, in the name of the Ragachavar, in the name of the Chsam Soifer, in the name of the Brisa, in the name of the Tosefta, in the name of the Maharal, the entirety of the Torah is coming to show us 
that yes, there's differences of opinion. Yes, there's differences of color. Yes, we have to be bekiyam and experts in all of those differences. And each and every Jew is different. And each sect of Judaism appears to be different from one another. But in the end of the day, the tachlis is to show how all of those different colors create the totality of Klal Yisrael, the totality of Torah, that would be lacking if there wasn't so much difference. That to try and force Klal Yisrael or the Torah into a monolithic image where everybody is in agreement is to destroy or erase the creativity that comes about through the machlokas itself. That like Rabbi Nachman teaches us in Torah Samach Dalid, that machlokas is what creates the world. Machlokas and disagreement is what allows for there to be a crea- creativity. But it's only when a person recognizes that it's a machlokas l'shem shamayim, that all of the difference creates a shalom that is greater than the sum of its parts. And that the true peace of Torah and the true shalom of, of Klai Yisrael is not showing that everybody says the same thing, but showing that each and every person is capable of saying their own thing. Yet in the end of the day, each and every person's opinion creates a picture that is greater than the sum of its parts, which allows us to see the world through the perspective of Kesser.